Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. We believe Jamie was in the home at the time of the homicides, and we believe she is still in danger. A brutal murder in the middle of the night and a 13-year-old girl missing. The case of Jamie Kloss captures the nation's attention. The sense of urgency is growing by the minute here in Barron County, Wisconsin. A community on edge. We're all scared. Who who did this? Who would do something like this? A family desperate to find her. My life was ripped apart and shattered into pieces. A mystery in a small town. I've been doing this for 20 plus years and I just don't know what happened in this case. But hope never lost. Thank God, after those 88 days, we at least got answers. I'm Lou Raguse. This is 88 Days, The Jamie Kloss Story. Chapter 4, Keeping Hope Alive. Thanks for joining us. New developments tonight involving the Kloss family and Jamie's disappearance. A man has been charged for breaking into the family's Wisconsin home over the weekend. Sometimes there's a development in a story so bizarre that you wouldn't believe it unless you see it with your own eyes. Lou Raguse is here with a look at what happened. Lou? Julie Randy, the Barron County Sheriff says this man is not a suspect in Jamie's disappearance or the murder of her parents, but the details concerning this break-in are very disturbing nonetheless. And for me, it takes reading the charging documents for Kyle Janky Annis to believe it's possible someone did what he admits to doing. According to the criminal complaint, investigators were monitoring motion-activated cameras pointed at the Kloss home early Saturday and they witnessed 32-year-old Kyle Janky Annis enter the Kloss home. Janky Annis is a 34-year-old man who worked with Jim and Denise Kloss at the Ginny O Turkey store in Barron. The court papers say that one night, a few weeks after Jamie disappears, Janky Annis leaves work, rides his bicycle to a laundromat, then walks to the Kloss home. He notices a patio door is unlocked. He enters and finds Jamie's bedroom. Janky Annis then steals Jamie's underwear two tank tops and a dress. A motion-activated camera outside the house alerts the Wisconsin DCI that someone's there. Deputies and agents pull in at 2.26 a.m. and they order Janky Annis out of the house. When we hear about this at CARE 11 News, we wonder if this is the person who took Jamie. Who else would return to the crime scene and snoop through her stuff? Janky Annis tells investigators he took the clothing because he doesn't think anyone would miss it. And he's curious about what size Jamie is. And this isn't the first time he's done something like this. Three months earlier, a woman walked into her trailer home to find Janky Annis wearing women's lingerie in a dress belonging to her 16-year-old daughter. But we're surprised when investigators almost immediately say they truly believe Janky Annis had nothing to do with the killing of Jim and Denise Kloss or the disappearance of Jamie. A judge later finds Janky Annis is incompetent to stand trial on these burglaries because of mental illness. The court commits him to a state hospital and orders him to be medicated against his will. And just weeks before the release of this podcast, Janky Annis takes a plea bargain to a less serious misdemeanor theft charge, and he's put on probation. 
false leads like this one haunt investigators and the victims' families as the holidays approach. First tonight, as families prepare for Thanksgiving, it will be a difficult holiday for a Wisconsin family with empty seats at the dinner table. Tonight, we're hearing from Jamie Kloss's extended family ahead of the first holiday since Jamie disappeared and her parents were killed. Danny Spiewak spoke to the family about keeping hope alive for Jamie through the holidays. Danny sits down with Denise's brother, Steve Nyberg, and sisters, Susie Allard and Jennifer Smith. Jennifer is the aunt who gave the plea you heard last episode. Susie was there with her holding Jamie's dog. Danny sits down with the siblings at Jennifer's dining room table at her home in Barron. Susie and Jennifer wear black hoodies with a green ribbon and lettering that says, Bring Jamie Home. Yeah, and, and with it being Thanksgiving, I guess, does that bring up some you know really tough emotions just with it being the holiday and everything like that? The holidays well, aren't there. They are. They're going to be hard. It's Thanksgiving. It's hard. You feel like you can't be thankful for anything, but... We, we are, I am thankful that we have the support we have behind us, that we have our family by us. Through that support, we're hoping we can bring Jamie home and let Denise and Jim rest in peace. I mean, do this, we need to do this for Jim and Denise too. Yeah, it's not so much just the holidays. I mean, it's before the holidays. That's when, that's when we... Denise got on the phone with everybody. I mean, the day of the holidays, that's one thing. But like like today and like yesterday, it was tough just because of the fact that we didn't get our 15 phone calls, yeah. getting the dinner scheduled and making sure that... Everybody knew what they were bringing. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, her. and then her flat Black Friday shopping where she would go early and get things that we wouldn't get right away because she would go right away. Yeah, and she would have three or four copies mm-hmm. of the... Ten pound made or newspapers for so everybody could you know, look at them. So yeah, it's it's usually what we it. did after we ate on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yep. it, it will be. Did you do any of the any of the cooking? She always brought her big box of oh, no, cookies she, from the Baron Bakery. Yeah, she was with a, three different kinds. For every she did this for every holiday, every birthday party. You know, we've heard from from friends as well that they just they can't think of anybody that would want to hurt them. Um, is can you think of any any reason at all or anybody? Or? I can't think of anybody. I, I went over and over in my head because they had no enemies that I know of. None that we None. know of. If, if we could, I mean, I mean, for one, we would have told the sheriff's department. And second, I mean, being on camera, we, we'd put it right out there just because it would be fully exposed. And, just, and I really, at this point, being over 30 days, I wouldn't care whose feelings I hurt. I mean, I want to get to the answer, so yeah, no, there's, there's nothing. No, they were good. They were good to everybody. Mm-hmm. They were giving, and they just kind of kept their lives to themselves. Besides, with family, so I just that's why none of this makes sense. No. It just doesn't. If you would have went to like where Denise and Jim worked and asked, especially you know Denise, about interviewed everybody about her, you'd probably get sick of hearing the same thing again and again just about her kindness. I mean, what kind of person, you know, does that to someone like that? That's that's the crazy part, so. And that's where we're, like you said, lost in limbo. Has it been frustrating, you know, not because it's anyone's fault with the investigation, but has it been frustrating just not knowing a whole lot? Very frustrating. Oh, it, makes, just, oh, it makes you angry. Telling you that we times. just 
go through it in our minds day in day, and that shows that it's frustrating. I mean, who wants to do that day in, day out? It Nobody. Is, it is frustrating, but you have to try and set that aside, hoping it's for the good. Mm. With Finding Jamie. Hoping there's something out there, hoping they're working on something. That's how I feel each day. Each day I wake up with a new, refreshed hope. Today is going to be the day. Today's my husband's birthday. That's the only wish we had for today. Only present he wanted. Bring Jamie home. Do you have any gut feeling about what may have happened? Or do you really, really just not know? Oh, and then they change from day-to-day different stuff you hear. And that's why sometimes you just... Can't go on social media because you hear all this rumors and stuff and why people have to make them up, I don't know. Because it just, it's hurting. Because then it's not true, you know, and then you think about it and then, but no. Jennifer is holding Jamie's dog, Molly, whom everyone first met that day Jennifer spoke at the press conference. You can hear Molly at times in this interview. Molly was in the Kloss home when Jim and Denise were killed. Jennifer's been taking care of her ever since. And um, you're taking care of Jamie's dog. Yep. Um, tell, tell me about the dog. Molly. Well, when I first got her, she was pretty scared and wanted to hide all the time. But she's opened up a lot, and we got her groomed, and she's doing better. Yep. But she sleeps with Jamie's sweatshirt in her little kennel over there. The family tells us the main reason they wanted to do this interview is to keep Jamie's face on the news so people don't forget about the story so people don't stop searching. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid it's going to lose its importance level to the news media, society, and then, you know, and if it hasn't, she hasn't been found, found yet, then, you know, we're just hanging on a thread, a prayer, and not much to go by. So pretend you're going for a run, and then all of a sudden, and you can see clear as day right in front of you, and you just all of a sudden hit something so hard and you just stand there and you didn't see it coming you but there's a glass wall that just right in front of you and you you just you stand still and you you're numb you don't know what to do yeah that about sums it up perfect sums it up it's like a big shock it just yeah it's like a big nightmare that you don't doesn't end we were that family that this kind of thing don't happen it just don't This is something we watch on TV and feel bad inside for the other family. And uh, it just doesn't happen in a small area like this, and it just doesn't happen to our family. But it did. But it seems to me you you still have hope that Jamie is alive. Most definitely, yes. Most definitely. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's got to be. I mean, I think when somebody is gone from you, you feel that loss and... With Jamie, I don't think any of us feel like that at all, so... I hope I can still feel she's going to come home, my heart tells me. Yep. And I won't give that up. Well, thank you so much for for talking to us, and we really appreciate it. Danny, we just listened to the interview you did with Denise's siblings, that was the night before Thanksgiving. That's just heartbreaking. Yes, and they were really feeling the loss because... Here we are on a holiday, and they're they're remembering what Denise used to bring for dinner, and they're remembering the phone calls she used to make the day before Thanksgiving, and uh, the reality really starting to set in of, of what has happened and the loss that has happened. So tell us more about what you saw 
and felt as you sat there at the dining room table? Well, I remember walking in and um, being a little bit nervous because uh, it was the first time I had really sat down with any family members. And I remember walking in and they, they couldn't have been nicer to us. And they really were gracious and they, they welcomed us into their home and told us that they needed the media attention. They really really needed uh, more attention on it. And they were hoping that our, our story and then by way of that uh, to national NBC, being able to use it on the Today Show over Thanksgiving, uh, that they thought that could really help some new leads. And I just remember walking in and uh, they had a pot of coffee going and uh, they welcomed us in like we were family. And it was really, uh, it was really touching, but you could really, you could really feel the loss and the emptiness of that house and the desperation that they were feeling. What was their demeanor like and what did you see on their faces as you sat there? They were quiet. They were very gracious, but they were very quiet, still grasping kind of the magnitude of going through Thanksgiving uh, without Denise and without Jim and without Jamie. And, uh, and, and they were just clinging to that hope that they were going to be able to find Jamie and, and they hadn't, they hadn't wavered on that, but you could see it in their eyes that they were, you know, starting to really feel desperate. So you've covered this case extensively at this point, probably more stories than any other reporter at CARE 11 had done at this point. How did meeting these family members face-to-face like this change your impressions or the way you covered the story moving forward? I think it made the story much more real. I think you have a, a hypothetical understanding in your head when you're listening to the police talk about the case or you're at a press conference, but then you're actually sitting in that family room and then the impact of it really starts to hit you and the just the the heinous actions that were taken against their family. It really starts to hit you that this is not just a story. This is not just something that, that you see on TV. This is something that, that real people are living and breathing every minute of the day. And I think moving forward, I, I really think that I, I tried to cover the story with as much care as possible and just thinking about, okay, the family is watching the family is is you know is going to be paying attention because they need these stories out there and what can we do to make sure that they're at ease and that we're helping as opposed to sensationalizing or just putting something out there that is going to harm them then sheriff chris fitzgerald for the first time since the day jamie disappeared gives us a one-on-one interview we wanted to learn more about the investigation through his eyes away from that press conference setting with all the other cameras Sheriff Chris Fitzgerald has been the face of this investigation, and he tells us it has certainly taken a toll on him, on his investigators, on the community. But he says the Jamie Cost case remains a top priority. You know, they're feeling a lot of hope, and, and that's what's driving the law enforcement uh, response to this. Um, Fitzgerald tells us hope is fueling his investigators. Not just hope from Jamie's family, but from the rest of the community like was shown during the ground search. You know, we go up and down on a roller coaster. We get a good tip, and it turns out to be not the tip we need. Uh, and that, that roller coaster, but the, the community hope and support uh, and things like that day of that search, that puts so much hope in the hearts of our law enforcement officers. Uh, it was, you know, sad, and at that sometime just this unrelieved, unbelievable feeling at the same time, we're sad that a 13-year-old girl is missing, but at the same time, it was just this heartwarming feeling that I just can't describe except it was just heartwarming. But with the 24-7 command center now closed and most of the out-of-town help gone, the case is wearing on the investigators. Yeah, and uh, the investigators in this case have been working, I'm sure, really long hours, and you mentioned that they've been away from their families. What's been the impact on, on you guys? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's uh, taken its toll, uh, you know, uh, uh, me personally and my family, and, but they, uh, again, this community stands behind 
our officers and their families. And that's been uh, a blessing in itself um, because we've been away from our families. We've been out of touch with anything else besides this case. And, you know, I have two kids of my own and a family, and I just can't imagine, you know, a, a child missing. And, and that's what's driving the people in this building behind me uh, is that feeling of it. You know, there's lots of kids in our community, and we don't want that, so we want that to con that hope to continue, and we will bring Jamie home. Are you closer to any suspects or any motive? Uh, no, it's still, there's still some mystery to this case. We're still working those leads as they come in. Um, if there was, you know, the availability of some suspect out there, a different vehicle we wanted, uh, we would definitely put that out to the media and the general public. Mm. And still no credible sightings of Jamie? No credible sightings of Jamie, yes. And once in a while we get a sighting of Jamie, but at this time there's no credible sightings. And in terms of, you know, you've answered this question a lot over the last couple of weeks, but in terms of, you know, people have asked, is there any ongoing danger to the public here? You know, are you any closer to an answer on whether or not, you know, you really believe that this suspect could be local or is it still in the air? Yeah, I wish, um, I wish I could solve that. I wish I could give the community that answer. That's the answer I struggle with every night as I go to sleep is to figure out exactly if this was random or not. And, and that's the answer we look for every day uh, beyond bringing Jamie home. I just want to reassure people that we left no stone unturned. Right. Uh, you know, it's kind of a cliche, but it's truly these people have worked night and day and, and double check things and triple check things to, because there is a tip out there and we don't want to miss it and we don't believe we've missed it and we continue to review things and look at new things. The sheriff says this 24-7 command center could be back up and running here in Barron County instantly if he needs it to be. He says it'll take one phone call to make that happen if the right tip comes in and they feel they need an around-the-clock investigation back in the works again. Here in Barron County, I'm Danny Spiewak, Carol 11 News. As the season changes again, snow dusts the ground in December as Christmas approaches. We travel to Barron for a tree lighting ceremony. The Barron, Wisconsin community is keeping hope alive for 13-year-old Jamie Kloss, who has now been missing for almost two months. Our Ken Erdahl was in Barron during a special tree lighting tonight. Executives at the Jenny O. Turkey Store, where Jim and Denise Kloss worked, came up with the idea for a Christmas tree lighting ceremony across from Riverview Middle School. They call it the Tree of Hope, and the ceremony begins with Superintendent Tremblay continuing her role as an unofficial community spokesperson. When Jenny O'Turkey Store and Hormel Foods approached our district to partner in this community event, we were so moved. It's been a challenging time for us all, and our staff and our students have been rock stars. So when this idea of the tree was presented to us, we couldn't have thought of a better way to share our hope and aspirations for Jamie's safe return. So thank you for the idea of this and for helping us create tonight's evening. Jim and Denise's family walks to the front and Jim's brother, Mike Kloss, who couldn't be there that day we interviewed his siblings, addresses the crowd. Uh, thank you. Um, first of all, thanks to the Genio family, family for this. Uh, it's uh, overwhelming. Um, thank you to the uh, Barron community, the law enforcement. Uh, it's... Uh, Sorry, I'm trying, but the sport's been overwhelming. Uh, our families, like you, we just, we just want Jamie home. And uh, we pray every day. And we just hope for a safe return. And uh, we, we can't, can't thank the community enough. Um, and thank you. Thank you so much for, for everything. Uh, 
Thanks. Thank you. Then, with the flip of a switch, the tree is lit. Jamie's classmates light and release Chinese lanterns. Then on a projector screen, a message from Chris Cruzy. Hey guys, Chris Cruzy here. Who last night learned he's made it to the finals on The Voice. Sorry I can't be at the event tonight for Jamie. Um, just want to encourage everybody to keep hope alive and stay positive and, you know, uh, bringing the community together is a, an awesome thing and um, it's just encouraging to see everybody pull together like this. One week later, Barron gears up for the Voice season finale. Well, the season finale of The Voice starts in just a few minutes. People so excited to tune in as they see Chris Cruzy compete. And here in his hometown of Barron, Wisconsin, that celebration has been going on all day. The city has declared this Chris Cruzy Day, and people all over town are honoring Chris. His former grade school held a special assembly this morning with kids wearing paper beards and flannel shirts as they sang a song for Chris. There's four people left, and I think that he just has to sing something really, really good. He's in the final four. It's, been, it's going good for him. He's going to win. He has been giving back to this community over and over and over again. And if you spend one minute with him, 10 seconds, you will love him. I just really want to see him do well. He deserves it. He's just a hardworking, nice guy. Of course, people here have been cheering all season long. They can't wait to see how this wraps up. The Voice will air its two-night season finale starting at 7 o'clock right here on CARE 11. But Cruzy comes just short of winning it all, finishing in second place, still making Barron proud. The, the community uh, I grew up in like came together and spread the word across the state and then across the country, and I have nothing to complain about. This has been an incredible experience, and uh, it's something I'll remember for the rest of my life. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. This podcast is sponsored by the new CARE 11 app, now totally redesigned to make it the newest, easiest, must-have app for Minnesota weather with interactive radar, video forecasts, and hyper-local accurate weather alerts. It is still coming in with a lot of lightning and thunder. We do have a few warnings out for a number of counties. From the hottest days to the most severe storms, stay on top of it all with the new CARE 11 app. Download or update today. It's now been 59 days since Jamie disappeared, and everyone in Barron is emphasizing the word hope. Even if there are private doubts within the community, they're doing everything they can to put out this public belief that Jamie is still alive, and they hope she'll come home soon. This Saturday will mark two months since Jamie disappeared and her parents were killed. In the Kloss family, they'll be gathering here around the tree with members of the community just after noon, not to release lanterns, but to release balloons, green and blue balloons with messages of hope for her safe return. In Baron Kenterdahl, CARE 11 News. Two days after the Tree of Hope ceremony, Jamie's family returns to that spot for a balloon release. Three, two, one. Here we go. Oh, pretty, isn't it? Jamie's grandpa is here, 
Robert Nyberg, Denise's father. Jamie always called me Grandpa Red because I used to have red hair. <laughs> used to. He used to have red hair, just like his daughter Denise. Robert and Jamie have a special bond and love going out for breakfast together. I miss our time together. She always liked going to breakfast with me, and I miss our breakfast dates. It gets a little harder every day. I need her back. He makes a heartbreaking plea on camera, asking Jamie to run away or call him for help. Who's ever got you? Run away. Again, come home to Grandpa. Or just call Grandpa. He'll come and get you. Christmas and New Year's come and go without any news, except for false leads circulating online. 13-year-old Jamie Kloss has now been missing from Barron, Wisconsin for 11 weeks, but there is still a huge national interest in her case, particularly on social media. Tonight, Care 11's Danny Spiewak verifying new claims about her whereabouts over the weekend. Tonight, we want to debunk something that's been widely shared on social media this weekend. After receiving a tip from a Care 11 follower on Facebook, we looked into a photo that was posted in multiple private Facebook groups and on a true crime YouTube page. The photo appears to show a teenage boy and girl in a loving embrace lying on a bed. We usually don't report on stuff like this because it might encourage other people to start false rumors to get this same attention. But we decide it's worth checking into this one. And frankly, weeks have gone by now since we've mentioned Jamie on the news. And this is a way to get her name back in the spotlight. Social media users are claiming that this picture shows Jamie Kloss with an unidentified man. But the Barron County Sheriff told me this photo does not appear credible at this time. And Jamie's aunt told me without a doubt in her mind that this is absolutely not Jamie in the photo. It is unclear who first spread the photo or where it came from. But this case continues to be scrutinized by hundreds, if not thousands, of people online every day. By my count, there are 14 Facebook groups devoted to Jamie Kloss with more than 35,000 total followers among them. Family members have told us before that the false social media rumors about their family and Jamie can be hurtful to them, but they try to tune it out. And they do want the public to continue to send legitimate tips to law enforcement. Sunday night, family members were in Ladysmith, Wisconsin for a tree of hope lighting where they pleaded with the public to not forget about Jamie. That's the only thing that we can do is to keep her face out there and to keep to keep everybody just praying and hoping that she comes home because we, we don't know what else to do. The Barron County Sheriff's Department still has not identified any suspects in Jamie's disappearance or in the death of her parents, so there continues to be a lot of speculation on social media about this case. We can verify, though, through the sheriff and Jamie's family that this latest post on social media does not appear to be Jamie. The sheriff says his department has looked into dozens of potential sightings in recent weeks, but all were unfounded. Back to you. And with that, Jamie's name does not appear again in a Care 11 newscast until January 7th, 2019, with an announcement that the following week, Sheriff Fitzgerald will hold a press conference to update everyone on the case on the three-month anniversary of Jamie's disappearance. But then, on January 10th, after 88 days. Douglas County 911. Hi, I have um, a young lady at my house right now, and she just says her name is Jamie Kloss. For 88 days, I have stood before you and said we would work tirelessly to bring Jamie Kloss home. Next time on 88 Days. Thank you for joining us. We have incredible breaking news tonight. After months of waiting, 
In agony, a heartbroken family desperate for answers, holding their breath. What was your reaction when you heard the news? I cried. I sat down on the bench. I mean, I'm shocked. They can finally exhale. Um, So I knocked on the door and said, you need to let me in and call 911 because I believe I have Jamie with me. The world finds out what happened to Jamie. This is 88 Days, The Jamie Kloss Story, a CARE 11 original podcast in association with Vault Studios. Check out 88dayspodcast.com for more information on the Jamie Kloss case. 88 Days is written and produced by me, Lou Raguse, and Ellie Coder. Original music is by Dave Mailing and Emily Havik, and original artwork by David Malman. Special thanks to CARE 11 management and staff for their contributions the people of Barron, Wisconsin, and the Kloss family. Growing up here, dealing with everything that's going on now, I'm surprised this town's even standing. Bardstown, Kentucky is a small town in the heart of the Bluegrass State. But Bardstown, Kentucky also has secrets. Five unsolved murders over four years. Rumors and theories, and still no one is behind bars. I've been 100% great. Listen to what I'm saying. You listen to what I'm saying. Bardstown, a new podcast from Vault Studios. It's been you know, almost six years. There's still not a lot of answers. 